Good morning, good morning. Good to see everybody out today. And welcome back to our series, Firm Foundation, from the second chapter of Ephesians. And on the first Sunday of the year, we talked about the household of God in verse 19. This morning, we're going to talk about being built upon the foundation in verse 20. And as you head toward Ephesians 2, uh, let me remind you of a couple things coming up next weekend. Uh, as Pastor Andrew mentioned, uh, the Wild Game Feed, the men's event, it's actually this Saturday. And so coming up quickly, and your food doesn't really have to be that exotic, as he talked about. The main point's getting together with some other men for encouragement as we start out the new year. And so if you have, you know, like personally harvested wolverine liver, um, then that's fine, you know. Uh, but if you just want to do chicken wings from Wingstop, that's, that's okay too. Uh, or if you, you want to do beaver tail, that's pretty exotic, right? Or you could just do a little pot roast or however you want to go about it. Uh, but whatever you do... How many think we could vote as a church that Pastor Andrew should take at least one bite of it, right? Okay, so how many of you guys would agree to come if he would take a bite of it? Okay, did you see that, Pastor Andrew? Did you see the show of hands? He's all of a sudden gone deaf. All right, the, the guys will, will be there. They could help with that. That would be great. Uh, also, Sunday, next Sunday at 4 o'clock, we have Next Steps, and if you want to do Class 101, Discovering Centennial, if you'd please sign up for that today, if you could, at servechurch.org, and we're going to have that uh, Sunday afternoon. Ephesians chapter 2, and let me read starting in verse number 19 today. Now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints, and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit." And so last Sunday, we covered two important word pictures, uh, one dealing with Christianity being like citizenship in a country, and the other dealing with Christianity uh, making the believer a member of the household of God. And now today in verse 20, we see that the household of God is pictured as a physical structure, a building. If you'll notice that phrase... Uh, built upon the foundation. And as we discover in our message today, ultimately that foundation is Jesus Christ. And uh, so we're going to look at verse 20 phrase by phrase. And I know that the Holy Spirit uh, will challenge each of our hearts through God's Word this morning. Let's talk first about uh, the building is God's house. The building is God's house. Yeah, this is in your notes, in your bulletin, if you'd like to follow along, uh, or on the version app. The first three words of the verse uh, are pointing back to the end of verse 19. Look at these first three words, and are built. 
Okay, so obviously this is continuing because that doesn't make any sense on its own. And our build uh, is a compound from the verse before. It's a thought that's being continued. And when we look at what's being built, it's referring uh, to the entire passage uh, all the way back up from verse number 11. It's referring to those who have been given equal access to God through Christ. Uh, to those who have been reconciled to God by the blood of the cross. To those who have uh, access by one spirit to the Father. And it includes, as we talked about last week, the citizens of heaven, the believers of every age, from every race, at every place. Uh, what the author of Hebrews will later call the general assembly and church of the firstborn, uh, which is an interesting phrase in Hebrews 12. By the way, uh, Hebrews 12, when it talks about the church of the firstborn, that is a rare time when the church refers to all believers. Uh, normally, when you notice the word church in the New Testament, it almost always refers to a local assembly of believers. Uh, but the assembly in heaven is going to include all believers from the resurrection forward, along with what Hebrews 12.23 calls the spirits of just men made perfect, which is describing Old Testament saints. And so when we wonder who exactly is built on the foundation of Jesus, well, there will not be any believer in heaven from any age who is not built on the foundation of Jesus. Uh, Old Testament saints believed in Messiah's coming redemption, and New Testament saints believe in Messiah's finished redemption. But it is always all about Jesus. And, and so the church uh, is a different gathering than Israel. That's what Hebrews, or sorry, Ephesians 2 has shown us. Uh, the church is different than Israel. They aren't the same thing. Uh, but through Christ, believing Israelites and believing Gentiles from every age can be part of God's household in heaven. Now, Paul obviously was not writing uh, to Old Testament believers in his letter to the Ephesians. This letter was written 34 years after the resurrection of Jesus. Okay, so he's writing to a different era. He's writing to Gentile believers in the New Testament age. And, and he wants them to know that they're not strangers and foreigners, they're fellow citizens with the Jewish believers, and they're of the household of God. And, and so that's the building that we're talking about this morning, the household of God. And so go back to Ephesians 2.20, and, and let's add part uh, of the next phrase to this now. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles. Okay? Now, does that mean that Peter and John and James and Paul are the foundation of God's house? No, it means that the apostles testified of the foundation. And yeah, that's the second part of our message. The apostles testified of the foundation. Now, as you read through the early pages of Acts, you find that the apostles went everywhere declaring what they had personally seen and heard through direct interactions with Jesus. 
Uh, I remember years ago before the roundabout was put in here in front of the church, uh, just about every week it seemed like there was an accident on this corner. And some of them were, you know, just little fender benders, and some of them were horrible. And when uh, it first started, there was a two-way stop here, and, uh, and so people uh, would stop, and then they'd think it's a four-way stop. And so they'd think that the people who are coming right at them are going to stop. They weren't going to stop. And so we had uh, several times where cars would end up here in the church parking lot, and it'd be a big scene, and you'd have witnesses and people talking to the police. And, uh, you know, when you actually saw the accident, you had an eyewitness testimony to give. Now, your eyewitness testimony may be a little bit different from the person who was coming from the other way or coming from down the hill, uh, but eyewitness testimony, nobody can take it away from you. You saw it. You were actually there. And the apostles were actually there. They saw Jesus. They talked with Jesus. They heard from Jesus. But they weren't the foundation of the church. They weren't the foundation of the gospel. The rock that the church was built upon has always been Christ alone. Uh, I want to go to a couple of places in this historic trail. And, and uh, go with me, if you would, to Acts chapter 4. And we'll stay in Acts for all of these, so it should be easy for you to just follow right along with us. Go to Acts chapter 4, and I want you to look first at verse number 8. So Acts 4 and verse number 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, You rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man by what means he is made whole... Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved." And, and so you see Peter testifying that this guy is healed by Jesus because of Jesus through the power of the name of Jesus. And you can just imagine the Sanhedrin looking at Peter and like, Jesus isn't even here, right? We killed him. How could he have the power to raise this guy? And Peter said, it's all because of Jesus. Now, if you skip down in the same chapter uh, to verse number 19, this is Peter and John, and they're talking to the same council. Look what they said in verse number 19. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Okay, so they're not giving theories. They're not giving something out of a scroll. They're talking about what they've actually seen and heard. Right? How many of you have ever seen what would be determined a celebrity in person? You've actually seen 
in person. Now, some of you, I know, have been up to close to quite a few uh, celebrities over the years, all right? Uh, tell me, uh, let's have five people. Tell me the most famous person you've ever seen in person. All right, go ahead. Who was it? Somebody tell me what she said. Paul Newman. Whoa. Okay. Matt Damon. Okay. Yes, sir. Jay Leno. Yes. Donnie and Marie Osmond. Yeah. Sarah Evans. Okay. Susan's. Wait. Is that two people? Oh, okay. Yeah. Patty LaBelle. Okay. Yeah. Diana Ross, okay. Bill? What'd you say? Dwight Eisenhower. Dwight Eisenhower. That's going back a ways. Okay, we got all sorts of, you, could be, you guys have seen a lot of people. When I was a kid, I remember that in the same year in the election season, my dad took me out to the airport in Springfield, Missouri, and we got to stand on the rope line to see the president of the United States, Jimmy Carter. Uh, Jimmy Carter. And we were in the rope line. I was like eight years old. And I was standing on the rope line. And I was about like five feet away from him uh, with my hand out trying to get him to shake my hand. And the only thing I remember, I went home and told my mom that he had yellow teeth. <laughs> so I guess that was important. Uh, later that summer at the fairgrounds, we saw Ronald Reagan, uh, Ronald Reagan give a speech, but it was, you know, to the whole crowd. We weren't up close. Uh, but really, the only person that I've ever been around that was famous, like, you know, within one row on a flight, uh, believe it or not, somebody just incredibly famous, like you won't even know who this is. My wife and I were in L.A. a couple years ago, and we were flying back. And I like, I don't really know who Polly Shore is, but I think maybe that's that guy. And so I looked it up on my phone, and sure enough, it's that guy. And he didn't have his hair washed, and he's wearing sweats. It's like he's incognito, I guess. He doesn't want anybody to know who he is. But he was in front of our, our uh, row in our flight going to Boise. So, Wow celebrity, just, just blown away by the celebrity. Uh, but you know, when you actually see something in person, or you see someone in person, nobody can take your statement away from you. Uh, you're the one who saw it. You're the one who heard it. Now go back to chapter 4 in Acts verse number 33. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. So they're just telling what they've seen, what they've heard. Look at chapter 5, in verse 29. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of these things. And so is also the Holy Ghost whom God hath given for them that obey him. And so you see that these are witnesses. The apostles pointed everyone to the foundation of Jesus. 
And uh, some of them were inspired by the Spirit to write full gospel accounts of Jesus. Many of them were called to face martyrdom. Some of them were called uh, to take the news of the resurrection to the farthest reaches of the known world, to North Africa, to India, to Asia Minor, uh, to Europe, all over the place. The last apostle, the only one who lived uh, to old age, was John. And listen to what he said as he began the letter that we call 1 John. Here's what he said. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. That which we've seen and heard declare we unto you, that she may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship was with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. And so John is proclaiming that Jesus is the foundation of God's house, that Jesus is the only way to have fellowship with the Father. The apostles never testified of themselves. They testified of Jesus. And so the foundation of God's house isn't these men. It's their testimony of the resurrected Christ. Now, I want to go back to Ephesians chapter 2, and let's add on to what we have so far. Okay, so we're in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 20, and we're working our way through looking at every word of the verse, <clears throat> and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Okay, so the prophets pointed to the foundation. Uh, even though they didn't understand the mystery of the local church and its union of believing Jews and Gentiles, the prophets of old recognized Messiah as the only possible foundation available. For instance, in one of the Messianic Psalms, Psalm 118, uh, listen to verses 22 and 23, okay? This is Psalm 118. The stone which the builders refused is become the headstone of the corner. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. Same chapter, verse 26, blessed be he that comes in the name of the Lord. Uh, look over to Isaiah 28. Uh, you guys will want to see this one. Isaiah chapter 28 and verse number 16. Now, Isaiah never prophesied about the church. <clears throat> that was a total mystery to him. But he did prophesy about the foundation of the church. Look at Isaiah 28, verse number 16. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. And, and so Isaiah talked about the foundation of Messiah. Daniel talked about this same stone in his interpretation of Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Uh, Zechariah spoke about this same headstone in his prophecy of ten visions. The Old Testament prophets pointed to the foundation, but so did the New Testament prophets. 
And I know that I just blew your mind. Who are the New Testament prophets? Well, go back with me to Ephesians, and I'll show it to you. So we're going to go back to Ephesians, this time to chapter 3. Okay, so there were not just Old Testament prophets. There were also New Testament prophets. If you look at Ephesians 3 and verse number 5, I know we're looking at a lot of Scripture today, but I am proud of you for working so hard to keep up. Ephesians 3, verse number 5, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Did you notice that he says, is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets? This speaks of New Testament prophets. Uh, Look at Ephesians 4 and verse number 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. God gave to the local church in the first century apostles, okay, who were apostles. Uh, Apostles were men who had seen Jesus and his ministry in person, and they were witnesses of his majesty. All of them but Paul were personal disciples of Jesus. Now, God gave to the local church also prophets who were prophets. They were proclaimers of God's truth on various issues. And and they lived during the time period between the resurrection and the completion of the New Testament. Okay? Now, the the truth is we still have people with the gift of prophecy today. Uh, The people who are prophets today are proclaimers of the finished Word of God, the finished revelation of God's Word. Uh, There are not any prophets who are declaring new truths. Okay, there are only prophets who are speaking on the issues from the completed record of Scripture. And I'll give you an example. Uh, the Caldwell School District, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Caldwell School District at their board meeting tomorrow night will be proposing a gender identity and sexual orientation policy uh, dealing with restroom use, locker room use, overnight trips, etc. And if you're a Caldwell resident, I invite you to attend the meeting, uh, where prayerfully there are going to be some modern-day prophets who are speaking God's revealed truth in love. Uh, What is a modern-day prophet? It's somebody who takes the Word of God and proclaims it. Uh, Jesus said that the Creator made humans male and female. Okay, the issue was decided by God before you were ever thought about, before you were ever conceived, before you were ever born. You can do no more to choose your gender than you can the color or strength of your eyes, uh, your height, your birth parents, the time in which you were born, or the country in which you were born, okay? God is the one who determined those things before you ever showed up. Now... A prophet would take the word of God and proclaim that to you. Uh, And we have those with the gift of prophecy still today. They are directing people toward the foundation that has already been laid. Jesus Christ, just like the first century apostles and prophets were doing. And you can see this in in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 
So go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and I'll show you three verses here. And these are crucial to our discussion today. 1 Corinthians 3, starting at verse number 9. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And so when you put this all together, I'm standing before you today as a pastor and a prophet to proclaim that Jesus is the only foundation for God's building. He's the only foundation for the local church. He's the only foundation for your life. Those who believe in Jesus as the foundation are in agreement with what the apostles and prophets started saying many hundreds of years ago. But there's a little more to Ephesians 2.20. So let's go back and notice this last phrase now as we put this all together. Ephesians 2 and verse number 20. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Okay, so number four, Jesus is both foundation and cornerstone. Now, what's the difference between a foundation and a cornerstone? Well, the cornerstone was the place where two lions of a wall met within the foundation. Okay, so the cornerstone, logically, it's on the corner. It's where two walls meet and form a a 90-degree angle. And Jesus is the stone where Jews and Gentiles meet. Uh, Jesus is the stone uh, where Old Testament and New Testament saints meet. Jesus is the stone where heaven and earth meet. He is the chief cornerstone. And when you read in Revelation 21 about the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, uh, you find out that the city lies four square, and Jesus is the only foundation that will bring your life into symmetrical order. He is the only foundation that causes your life to stand against every wind that blows. He's the only foundation that guarantees that no weapon formed against you will prosper. He's the only foundation that uh, protects you from the fiery darts of the wicked. And and so look, there's the doctrinal side of this issue, which we've spent most of the morning talking about. Uh, Without the doctrines of Christ, the apostles and prophets had nothing to proclaim. They didn't have anything to talk about, right? If we didn't have Jesus, why would we be here today? If we didn't have Jesus, we got nothing to discuss. And without him, the building could not be constructed or sustained. But you know, doctrine is only real when we put it into practice. Uh, A Bible doctrine isn't just a hollow set of words. It's a set of beliefs that we actually rest our lives upon. A legitimate doctrine is always a practical doctrine. And here's why that's important. Jesus, the foundation and chief cornerstone, is also spoken of in Romans 9 
as the stumbling stone. The stumbling stone. We reference this in Psalm 118. The stone which the builders rejected has become the headstone of the corner. Now, what does it mean, the stumbling stone, the rock of offense? It means that the rock of Jesus affects the feet of every single person. Uh, he's either going to be the stumbling stone that you trip over. He's going to be the rock of offense that you run into and you won't yield, that you refuse to accept, or he's going to be the foundation of your life. And, and so the question really for all of us is this, what will Jesus be in your life? What will Jesus be in your life? Will he be the rock of offense that you constantly push against or will he be the cornerstone on which you build your life? He can only be one or the other. In our faith challenge, we talked about that this morning. And we're going to get even more practical uh, as we finish up in the faith challenge. Jesus is the true foundation of your life. Only when he is the foundation of every part of your life. And this is so important for us to understand. Uh, when Jesus is the foundation of your marriage, your parenting, your grandparenting, uh, your job, your relationships, your interests, your entertainment, your investments, your influences, everything. Uh, as Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, you cannot serve God and mammon. You can't serve God and stuff at the same time. You can't serve God and anything that's not God at the same time. And so let me ask you this morning as we close, is Jesus the foundation of every single part of your life? If he's not, then you'll never have lasting peace. You'll never have lasting satisfaction. You'll always feel like there's something disconnected or missing in your life. Uh, yielding to Jesus as the architect, the one who plans your life, the foundation, the builder of your life, requires full submission of the heart. It's all or nothing. This is so convicting to me because sometimes I label Jesus as my foundation, but then I don't give him full control in every area. I try to do it on my own. And sometimes I miss the miraculous, uh, miraculous results of having Jesus as my foundation because I'm not fully submitted to him. In the Old Testament times, when they did an animal sacrifice at the temple, the sacrifice was an all or nothing proposition. You couldn't offer one-fourth of a lamb, right? You couldn't offer half a lamb, right? You couldn't say, you know what, we're going to bring this rack of lamb down for the sacrifice. Now you had to offer the whole lamb. But sometimes we don't practice that concept. And yes, we are called to present our bodies as living sacrifices to God. But I find that my flesh keeps trying to get back up off the altar. And maybe it's the same for you. And so when we ask today, is Jesus the foundation of every single part of your life? What we're asking, are you fully on the altar? Is your entire life committed to Jesus Christ? Let me pray with you. Father, thank you. 
Thank you that we could come this morning. And as we worked our way through Ephesians 2.20, we are reminded that we are built upon the foundation that the apostles and prophets have declared Jesus Christ and that you are the chief cornerstone, that you're the foundation of everything good in our lives. And I pray that we would submit our lives to you. And Lord, if there's one here today who's not fully submitted to you, I pray that in this moment that they would fully submit their life to you as their Lord and Savior. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's have our ushers come.